How many of you are happy to be back in God's house? You happy to be back in God's house? You know, there's so many different ways that you don't know whether to shake someone's hand anymore. You don't know whether to fist pump them. You don't know whether, yet you have no idea. But the only universal way that people have, seems that everybody feels safe is when you elbow them. Why don't you just elbow the person next to you and say, welcome home, welcome back to church. We welcome all those watching online around New York City, around the country, and around the world. Here's what I want you to get. If you made a single line of people shoulder to shoulder currently living on this planet that have never heard and committed their life to Jesus Christ, I want you to listen to these new staggering numbers that just came out. It said that that line would wrap around the globe 40 times. 40 times. For those that know science, knows that the globe at the equator goes around 25,000 miles, which means it would be 1 million miles of people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Times Square Church, we have a job to do. We have a job to do. The work is great, but our God is greater. And I believe, I believe that what is starting today and that even has started 18 months ago is the opportunity to do something that God is going to be glorified for making a dent in that one million mile long line of people. And let me just give you the good news today. You ready for this? This excites me. Do you know every day around the globe, 70,000 people are being born again around the globe today? Hey, and you know what's exciting for me? is that some of those 70,000 are sitting in this building right now. Some of you are sitting here, some of you watching online, you are gonna be part of that 70,000. And I want us to pray and begin to see what God is getting ready to do and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. Let's pray. Father, we believe right now in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit is going to guide us as a church, as we're going into a brand new season, as a page is flipping, as 18 months is ending, that God and a new page is being turned over. We thank you for what you have done through Pastor David Wilkerson. We thank you for the work of Pastor Carter Conlon. Now, Lord, I'm asking you, would you help us in these next coming years to be faithful, Lord God, to seeing the souls around the world. Help us to believe here, Lord God, every single day that, Lord, those 70,000 people, we're believing that you are going to do great things with a great harvest, and I believe that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together one more time. Let me share my heart with you this morning. A lot of people have asked me, um, especially over the last two weeks, how I, how I feel as we're approaching the opening of the church after 18 months. And those that have asked me this question have heard the same answer, but they're checking on something of where I'm at every single day. Let me tell you the verse as we got closer and closer to reopening that has stuck with me. It's Matthew 28, 8, and I want to bring you to the empty tomb. And this is what it said about the empty tomb when they saw the resurrection of Jesus, that they left the tomb. And look at these two emotions quickly with fear and great joy. That is how I have felt these last two weeks. That it, depending on what was happening that day, it depended where the fear, the fear meter or the joy meter was going on those days. I'm just telling you, when I walked in this morning, I, was, I had the fear, fear meter going on. And then after hearing Cece sing, I went to the, the joy meter. And then all of a sudden, we saw a problem technology. I went back to the fear meter. And then we went back up to the joy meter. But let me just say this. Whether I'm fearful or joyful, God is still in charge. God is the one that's running this. But I want you to understand our heart here at Times Square Church, and that's this. Our goal in the last 18 months was not simply to get back in the building. And I believe this is important for us to understand. Our goal was not to get back in the building. You ready for this? But to get into every home on the planet. That has been our goal, that everything that we, are, that we are beginning to pursue after. So don't confuse simply that the doors of the church only have front doors on 51st and Broadway. 
The doors are much larger. And our goal wasn't simply to open up God's house only, but to open up every door all over this world. That's why I want you to understand we have been putting things in place to get into the homes, the vehicles of technology, connect groups, which you're going to talk about. One of the things that is exciting to me, folks, is TSC Films with Pastor David Ham. He's not with us today. He's been under the weather today, and we're going to pray for Pastor David. But TSC Films has just come out, and you saw what they did on Easter for Christmas. But they have just put together their brand new connect group curriculum called Prison Letters. It's taking the book of Philippians, which Paul wrote in a prison cell, and they have dramatized that you have the Apostle Paul in an actual prison cell and is going to walk people around the world through the book of Philippians. And the goal of TSC Films is making the Bible come alive to people all over the world. And we are seeing what God is wanting to do. That's why everything, everything that we're doing, we want to see people go to heaven. J.C. Ryle, the 19th century preacher, said it like this, that the highest form of selfishness is a man content to go to heaven alone. I don't want to go alone. I want to take as many people with me to heaven, folks. And I know you do too. So let's take a bunch of people with us. One of the visions that Pastor Carter told me when, when we were kind of transitioning is, is this. He says, I want to see this, even the stage of Times Square Church begin to produce Broadway plays with a Christian theme. Folks, everything you see behind you this, this, that's here, we transform the stage so in less than two hours, everything can be moved and Pastor David can begin to come right back up here and take over this entire stage. And we're believing that God wants to do this. So, so don't let bells and whistles begin to kind, of, to kind of blur your vision. All this stuff moves out like that. And that's why we want to do is we want to find a way to touch people's lives. The doors we wanted to open are not just 51st and Broadway, but every home, every place. So let me tell you a story here. Because when my meter was going back and forth with joy and fear, and thank God the Bible says great joy and then fear. So as I was going back and forth some days over the past few weeks, one of the things that I would do is I would come here into the sanctuary and I would begin just to pray, pray over this place as the amazing people from SES and Clark began to work so hard and our staff were working so hard to prepare for this day. So one of the things that I did, did it last night, is I went over every one of your seats and prayed for every seat in this place that God would fill that seat with a person and that person with the Holy Spirit. So let me just tell you something. The seats you're sitting in, they've been pre-prayed over. Just want you to know that right now. So, so none of, nobody is safe this afternoon. I just want you to understand that. I prayed. I went up in the choir. I prayed over every seat in the choir. And we're believing. Let me just tell you, as I started to do that, my meter started to go back to the great, to the great joy part. But it was just a few days ago that God, I really believe, spoke to my heart real clearly of really what next steps are for us. My heart, brought, my heart brought me to a story as I was praying for the seats, brought me to a story of a magician that got saved in Acts chapter eight. I knew, I knew God was speaking something to me and it was only not only to pre for preparation, but also simply was a warning for me. And the warning was this, do not allow magicians in the church. Let me say that again. Do not allow magicians in the church. I'm going to explain that in a second. One of the things I have seen, and you're going to see this in this Acts chapter 8 passage, I've seen all my life over the 40 years of pastoring is what I would call strategic salvations. By strategic, I mean that some, I've seen God save the most unlikely person, the most impossible person in an area, a neighborhood, a region, in an apartment building, even in an organization because what it does is it lets people know this. If God can save him, he can save anybody. I've watched God do that. In fact, do you understand that's why Times Square Church exists? Because Pastor David Wilkerson goes to Brooklyn and God goes after the worst gang and the worst gang member named Nikki Cruz and says, I'm going to save him. And every other gang around New York City is going to go, if God can save Nikki Cruz, God can save anybody. I just want you to understand that today. Because what does that do? It puts hope in people. 
It lets people realize that God can do it. When Cindy and I started in Detroit, let me tell you, we saw it. We saw strategic salvations. How many remember, how many remember the restaurant Howard Johnson's? Anybody remember how? Come on, how many have ever eaten ice cream at Howard Johnson's? Okay. I had a Howard Johnson's at the end of my street in Detroit, but it was abandoned. That literally, it was one block away from us in Detroit, and not only was it abandoned, but it became a place that an impossible salvation needed to take place. When we first started our church at Woodward Avenue and Six Mile in Detroit, which was, that many of you know the story, we took over a 900-seat triple-X movie theater and started a church in there. It was so funny. When we started, people used to come to us going like, you meet in a triple X theater? I can't believe it. That doesn't seem right. I said, it's still triple X. We just got ex-junkies, ex-alcoholics, and ex-prostitutes that have all been saved by the power of God. So I said, we're going to still stay triple X. Here's what's amazing. When we first started, what happened in that Howard Johnson's, that abandoned building, they found three prostitutes strangled to death at the end of my street. And when two weeks was over, they found 11 strangled prostitutes. And there was a serial killer all going all through at this. The city was called Highland Park, which is the center of Detroit. They were, they, the city was on lockdown going, who's going to be next? 11 people strangled and killed, three of them on my block. And we're just trying to open up a church. How many know that's not the best way to open up a church? with a serial killer going around. What's amazing is this, is God goes, I'm gonna do something. And God and God began to do something very strategic. Do you know Ben Atkins was apprehended after two weeks and was in prison? When our prison ministry teams heard about Ben Atkins in jail, we started praying that we would have opportunities to share the gospel with Ben. Not only did they get a chance to share the gospel with Ben, Ben became born again. God gave his life. This man gave his life. This murderer of 11 people gave his life to Jesus. And he stood on TV on a live camera as, as the judge was pronouncing seven consecutive life sentences on Ben Atkins. And I watched on TV with my own eyes that man sitting there and with, with literally a peace that he's never known for his 37 years of his life, holding one of the Bibles from our church in his hand, knowing that God was going to help him through this and God was going to work a miracle. You know what the people of Detroit were saying? If God can save that man, God can save any man. People knew that God was able to do that. Hey, you know this verse. Say, say these words with me. Matthew 19, 26. Come on, say it with me. With God... All things are possible. Come on, say it again. With God. Come on, how many believe that today? Okay, let me just tell you, because this is important. Do you know what Jesus' words are connected to? When Jesus said, those are Jesus' words. When Jesus said with God, Jesus said this, all things are possible. What he was saying was, those words, here it is, are connected to people you think would never become born again. Let me read it to you. Here's the context. It's Matthew 19 with the story of a rich young ruler. Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then listen to what happens. The disciples heard this and were astonished and said, here it comes. Here comes the answer to the verse you just read. Then who can be saved. Come on, Jesus. This is what he said. And looking at them, I love it, those piercing eyes of the Savior, looking right at them, saying this, with people, this is impossible. Come on, say it with me. But with God, all things are possible. I want you to think of the most impossible person in your family. God can save them today. I want you to think of that neighbor in your apartment building in the Bronx that you've been praying out of there. Before you pray him out, let's pray him into the kingdom of God. That God can do something in these people's lives. Jesus was saying when it comes to the impossible, God can make it possible. And listen, that includes gang, gang leaders. It includes serial killers. And in Acts chapter 8, it includes magicians. Let me tell you the story of a magician that got saved and came to church. Here it is, Acts 8. 
We're in the city of Samaria, a city that has never known a revival. And I want to read to you what happens. Listen to these words. Now, there was a man named Simon who was formerly practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be somebody great. And then it says this, and they all, from the smallest to the greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with magical arts. But here it comes. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news. Now, we're going to come back to that name Philip in a few moments. When they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, they were being baptized, men and women alike. And here it comes. And even Simon himself believed And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip, observed the signs and great miracles taking place, and was constantly amazed. Times Square Church, Simon is Nicky Cruz. Simon is the Highland Park Strangler. He's the miracle conversion of Samaria that God was going to begin to go. If he can get saved, anybody can get saved. But let me give you an important side note here. I want you to jot down two names that that you're going to read here in the story. The first one is Philip, and the second one is John. And these are two important names here in this story. In fact, let me give to you John, because John's name is about to come up here. But I want you to remember first, before we read about John, what John and Samaria had in common. In fact, remember what Samaria meant to John and his his brother in the book of Luke, chapter 9. You know what it was to them? It was firewood and kindling because John and his brother James wanted to call fire down and destroy that city of Samaria. Remember the story? It's in Luke chapter 9, verse 52. Here's what it says. In Luke 9, 52, it says, they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him, but they did not receive him. Those Samaritans where revival came in Acts chapter 8 didn't receive him because he was traveling towards Jerusalem. And here it comes. When his disciple James and John saw this, they said, Lord, here it comes. Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Do you understand what just happened? Now, you ready for this? I want you to see what happens in Acts chapter 8 and how God can change a person's heart that's sitting in the church. Look at me for a second. Can I just tell you, it's not just the people on the outside sometimes that need a work of God. Sometimes it's the people you're sitting next to that need a work from God. Don't look at anybody. Don't look at anybody. Don't clap. And don't clap at anybody's face. Listen listen to me close. So what happens? You ready for this? I want you to see the John from Luke 9. I want you to see the John in Luke in Acts 8. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and who? Peter and who? John. That's Luke 9, John. Luke 9, call fire from heaven down, John. They came down, and this man has a brand new prayer. They prayed that they might receive the Holy Spirit. That God took a man that sat in church and hated a certain group of people, changed that man. Cancel culture would have gotten rid of John two years ago in Luke chapter 9. But I'm telling you what, I don't believe in cancel culture because I believe in a God that can do change people's lives. Because God can change the people that our society wants to cancel. And Samaria did get fire from heaven, but the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That excites me. Okay, how about Philip? Not only John, who got out to change him. How about Philip? Here's what I love about Philip. Don't ever think, listen, Times Square Church, that serving in an area around here is beneath you. That the only place that you're supposed to be is either sitting there or up here with a microphone. I'm telling you, listen to me close, is that before God gave Philip a microphone for Samaria, God gave him an apron to serve food to widows. He's the Philip from Acts chapter 6 that served the widows that were being overlooked. So if God called you to serve in a nursery, to greet people, to go pack food at Feed New York, wherever God has called you, I'm telling you, serving opens up doors for the kingdom of God. That Philip 
Before God gave him a microphone, he had to give him an apron. Before God put a, gave him a, an opportunity to preach, he said, I need you to serve people that can't pay you back and they can't promote you. And folks, let me just tell you this. So if you've got a gift to preach, don't wait to get a microphone because you're just not going to get it. Let me just tell you this. You're not going to get it by sitting there waiting for someone to notice your preaching gift. You want to let your preaching gift come out? Then serve. Greet people at the door. Be a preacher at the door. When people walk in that door, just go, thank God you're here today. Come on in. Let me take you down to the altar right now and bring you to where you need to be. Hey, if you've got a gift to preach, it doesn't just work with a microphone. It can work anywhere you are. That's why Joseph, listen, that's why Joseph in the Bible was interpreting dreams in prison. When he was able to interpret dreams, he didn't get a website and a brand new suit. He said, wherever you put me, the gift of God can still be working in those areas. Don't tell me the nursery is grieving the spirit. Get in there and wipe some kid's mouth. Some of you are going, that's a mean man. Listen, back to our passage, verse 17. Then they began laying hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. This is what I love. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on the apostles' hands, here it comes, folks. He offered them money, saying, give me the authority, give the authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, folks, get ready. Peter's not going to hold anything back. Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you. He says, because you thought you can get a gift of God with a checkbook. You thought you can get something from heaven with money. Here it comes. Simon offered to buy authority. He was trying to get authority. In fact, he was going, you ready for this? He was going to try to pay for the baptism of the Holy Spirit instead of pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was thought that he can bring authority. He can bring heaven by money. His pay and pray got messed up. And this is where in that section there, I don't know, I'm not saying any, they're evil in that section, but I'm just saying it was that section over there that God said to me is you better be careful of magicians in the church. We don't believe in magic here. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? Let me explain it to you, folks. What I believe magicians in the church is this. I can't explain it any better than this. It's trying to buy something on earth that can only come from heaven. It's trying to buy, it's trying to spend money to do something that only heaven can do. It's confusing the price tags that what you think costs money comes through sacrifice and prayer. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? I want you to hear me now, Times Square Church. I want you to hear my soul. I want you to hear everything I was saying. I was in that section and I saw them hanging the speakers up and I saw them putting the screen up and God said these words to me. He said, listen, he said, not one of the things that they're hanging or one of the switches they're turning on or anything that you're looking at, admiring or any microphone or any screen or camera, not one of those things can answer prayer, heal the sick, save an atheist, deliver a Muslim, baptize someone in the Holy Spirit, get a prodigal home, deliver someone from depression or set them free from an addiction. There is this. This is just stuff. The only person that can do that is the presence of God himself. That is it, folks. This is just stuff. That's what this is. You can't buy God's presence. You can't buy God's presence. We may, listen church, we may have updated some things, but money can't bring God to this house. A screen can't bring God to this house. Instruments can't bring God to this house. We need the presence of God in his house today. It's the spirit of Simon that thinks if we put the right stuff that God has to show up. I'm telling you, that's not true. That's magic. That's magic talk. It's trying to buy power and miracles and it doesn't work that way. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, without the spirit of God, we can do nothing. We're ships without wind. Branches without sap, coals without fire. We are useless to play music, to preach without the presence of God, folks, is nothing. It's a show then. We need the Holy Spirit's presence. And God was making sure that I don't think like a magician. God was making sure I remember where the fire comes from. 
It doesn't come from technology. Fire comes from heaven. Fire comes from the throne of God. And that's why we need his presence. And anything we do, we need the wind of God to blow upon it. We need the presence of God to blow upon those things. Folks, and that's why I believe, I believe there is a breeze that is blowing. I want to explain to you. I need you just to follow with me on, on, on this. I believe God is blowing upon what we talk about, these connect groups. And I want you just to stay with me for just a moment on this. Let me speak to that future for just a second. Because what you see on a stage, a screen, and all this stuff, it's just a tool. And our job is not to church doors, but to open every door. But I want you to hear this. I'm hearing stories now in these last 18 months of people who would never have come through those doors of the church, but they have been coming through a screen on a laptop and on a cell phone that have never come before and giving their hearts to Jesus Christ. It's been a miracle to watch how God is saving people all over the world. And let me just say something about connect groups here at Times Square Church. I want to ask you a question. Stay with me now for just a moment on this. What if today, at the end of this day, right here in Times Square, right here in New York City, a city that has 8 million people, what if today 800,000 people get saved in New York City today? 800,000. We'd call that revival. That's revival on Broadway. And not just this, but that would be amazing. That's 10% of New York City. 10%. But that's exactly what happened. And I have to spell this out um, for you because this is how God began to speak to my own heart. This is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people got saved when the fire of God came down. Listen, verse 41 of Acts 2. Then those who had received the word were baptized, and that day there were added 3,000 souls. Ready for this? This is amazing. Historians say that at the time of Jesus, Jerusalem's population was 30,000 people. In one chapter, 10% of the city got saved. Can you imagine here in New York City, 800,000 coming, 3,000 conversions, 10% of the city. And then it gets crazier, Times Square Church. A few days later, Acts 4 says 5,000 people get saved. Now, in Acts 4, 4, when you see that 4,000, I mean, 5,000 come to Christ, now you have 8,000 confirmed born-again Christians. And at the end of Acts 2, people were coming in daily. That means, you ready for this? Jerusalem is approaching one-third of its population are now following the resurrected Jesus. One-third of the population that, that's what makes that amazing is that is like this Sunday, 800,000 people get saved in New York City. The next week, you ready for this? Two point, that number jumps to 2.5 million people saved just in New York City. That would be one third of the 8 million residents of New York City. 2.5 million. How many know that would change New York City to see 2.5 million souls that get saved? That's part of that global line that goes around. Do you think there'd be a stir? Of course there would be. But here's the part that I want us to understand. If you don't do anything with new believers, you're going to lose them. You're going to lose those that come in. And we have seen in the last 18 months, I can't tell you how many have been coming in from around the world, getting born again, getting saved out of Islam, out of atheism, people that are getting saved from addiction. It's been unbelievable. But revival needs a tool to manage a harvest of souls. See, revival is like, a, is like a lumberjack cutting down the trees. But after the trees fall, you need a carpenter to come and build something from that. That's exactly what happened in Acts 3. Here it is. Here's what it says in Acts, 3, in Acts 2. Day by day, this is after the 3,000 got saved. This is important for us to hear. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from, here it comes, house to house. Pause there for a second. Look at me for a second. They didn't build a church until the fourth century. So where was the church going to meet? They have to meet in homes. And folks, this is important. They're being under persecution and they have revival. House to house. That means connect groups. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. What were they doing? They were praising God, having favor with people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. That house to house really is connect groups. It's joining in the homes. It's happening. 
for, for, for TSC because our, our heart and soul is to see in these next three years 10,000 connect groups worldwide. In fact, can I give you some exciting things? It's already happening. Can I tell you what's happened in these last 18 months of connect groups that's going on? Let me tell you what's happening with TSC International Connect Groups. You ready for this? They're in Argentina, Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Finland, France, Hong Kong, Israel, Panama, Spain, Sweden, Taiwan, Dominican Republic, and Jamaica just joined us today, and we think by this evening the Ukraine will begin to join us today. That's what God is beginning to do. And if you're, listen, if you're watching online, God may be even speaking to you. That you're, you're supposed to be going like, well, why isn't there one in my country? There, there you go, do it. Here, here, here's the deal. And right here in America, right now we're at almost at half of the United States of America are doing connect groups out of TSC. Almost half of the country is doing. And the ones I love, I met some of our leaders on Thursday night. Our missions department hosted a connect group leadership meeting. Oh my goodness. My heart warmed as Sam was telling me. Sam, who leads a connect group, he has 40 to 50 police officers all over the five boroughs that join together once a week. And they are going through the 260 journey. Some of them come on break. They come right from their squad car, call in, get a word of encouragement, and then they have a chance to go back. And that's 40 to 50 police officers all over the boroughs that are doing that today. I got to tell you, give it up for Sam. My favorite, I got to tell you, my favorite is Venus. Yep, Venus. She started a connect group called Community Challenge. She says, I'm going to go to the worst streets in New York City. And what she does is she bought, she bought a bullhorn, a bullhorn. I didn't even know they existed. A bullhorn. And she said, I got a bullhorn. I got food. And I set up food. And I got a Bluetooth. This is Venus telling me this. She said, I got a Bluetooth speaker. I put it on my phone. I play gospel music. I get on the bullhorn. I tell them there's free food, but they can't touch it unless I pray for them. And she says, I prayed for drug dealers. I prayed for drug users. I prayed for people. And I just saw, I looked at that Venus and I could just imagine her on that bullhorn with her team. Turn up the music. Can you come over here? Ah, don't touch that food. Let me put my hand on your head and pray that God would set you free. That's what God is doing at different parts. See, here's the part I want you to understand. Connect groups was God's strategy in Acts chapter 2 when you have revival and persecution at the same time. They said, if they're persecuting the church, we've got to get back into the homes then. Folks, this is what I want us to understand. I, I, I believe this with all my heart. Pastor Carter and I have been praying about this. We've talked about this. And I want you to hear this right here today from the very get-go. I believe that there is going to come a persecution like we have never seen to the church today. And I want you to get ready. But I believe, and like Joseph, we may have, maybe, I may be liberal with this, I believe we have some years of plenty and harvest in front of us. And like Joseph, we may have seven years of plenty a great harvest of souls, that the blessing of the Lord is going to come in an exponential way. I think Joseph, when he saw the blessing of God before the famine, he saw it in such epic proportion that the Bible says they couldn't even keep up with the numbers, that their granaries were so full with resources that they couldn't even number them. That's what it says in 41, 49 of Genesis. It says Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea he, until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure is what it says. And then a famine came in as God brought in that harvest. And I believe for us as the church, I want, you, I want you to get this. Folks, get this today. The first church, the first church shutdown that happened over these late 18 months was from a pandemic. I believe this with all my heart. The next church shutdown will come because of persecution for those that believe the Bible to be the word of God. They're shutting people down on internet. They're shutting them down online. They're trying to take, they're going to start taking away 501c3s. I'm telling you folks with all my heart, they're going to find us. If we preach, if you preach the Bible, they're going to try to stop the church. But you can shut the church, but you can't shut down the kingdom of God. I'm telling you that right now. I'm telling you. And that's why, that's why 
When all of a sudden the famine came to Egypt, the people of all the earth found where the grain was. They looked for where there was going to be food. They found the food, and I believe it's going to happen today. That's why I believe online and getting to these connect groups. Our goal with those 10,000 connects groups is the house to house then becomes a tool from God for revival and persecution. So when they try to shut down the church, it's okay. You can chain the doors of the church, but you can't chain the doors of what God wants to do around the world. We watched places and things grow here as we couldn't even meet in this place. That means when the doors of the church are shut, the kingdom of God still advances. And that's what we're excited about. Listen, let me get ready to close here, but I want you to, I'm going to go back to what this magician means to us today. Acts 8.18, the Bible says that Simon, the magician offered them money saying, give this authority to me as well. And here's the answer that I want to give to you, church. Here's the answer that Simon never heard. And it's back in Acts 4 that came up in Jerusalem as during the connect groups and the home fellowships, as they were growing in Jerusalem, this was Simon's answer that I wish he would have heard. And it's this, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized, here it is, folks, that they had been with Jesus. Folks, that's it. And you can't pay money for something that comes through spending time with Jesus, folks. See, once again, I want you to get this. Those are five words that can bring revival. It's five words that can change a church. It's five words that can change our lives. It's five words that can change New York City. And here are the five words. They had been with Jesus. Folks, you've got to get that straight. It's not a matter of getting all the right props in place. We've got to be with Jesus. Sitting in front of me, you, he'll, he'll pray at the end tonight, is one of my heroes, one of the greatest theologians alive today, pastored one of the most iconic churches in London, England, Westminster. You've heard him online, Dr. R.T. Kendall. Let me just tell you something. You can have your doctorate from Oxford, but you better spend time with Jesus. I'm, I'm looking over here, and you have, Dr., you have Pastor Alvin Love and Cece Winans, who've started an amazing church called Nashville Life in Nashville, Tennessee. Their son now, Alvin Jr., pastors at church. But can I tell you this? You can have C.C. Winans leading worship, but if that pastor hasn't been with Jesus, it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter who plays these instruments. If they're not being with Jesus, then it's just a show. We need a church that has been with Jesus. That's what he's asking us to do. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why this is so on me. And I want you to listen. Some young preacher, some young pastor may be watching this today. It's like the hottest thing now is to go to some successful pastor and they're paying them money to meet with them. They're paying thousands of dollars if a successful pastor meets with a young pastor. And then what they're doing is that they're trying to almost buy this new thing. It's magic. It's magic. And now they're taking selfies going, look who I was with. I was hanging out with so-and-so. I'm with this person. Let me tell you something. You can post that all you want. You may get followers, but you won't get revival. You can get followers, but you won't get healing. You may get followers. You may get a thousand followers, but I want a thousand souls to come in and God to do something in this place. Come on, folks. We must be with Jesus. That's why... I want you to join us every Tuesday night as Pastor Carter leads us in that prayer meeting from Summit. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether it's in this building or it's coming from Summit. We can still pray. God's not limited by a TV screen, by a screen to pray. Hey, listen, how about this one? How about starting a connect group calling They Have Been With Jesus connect group? How about that one? How about somebody in in the Philippines going, I want to pray for all the churches in Manila. Then start a group. There it is, TSC, NYC, forward slash groups. There you go. Start the they had been with Jesus group. And just pray. Seek the face of God. When you come out, you won't need selfies. You'll have the fire from heaven coming upon you. And God doing the work inside of you. You can't buy with money what only comes through spending time in his presence. I met a man this week. I have to say this. Now, I have to speak my words very, very Carefully, 
because of the ramifications of this. I had to write this out so I don't miss this because it could cost, it could be very, very costly. We have with us here today at Times Square Church what I believe a miracle man who knows this first time of being with Jesus. And for security reasons, I'm going to choose these words carefully. Corey and Natalie are two international kingdom workers that we support. They just got back. They just got back recently from one of the most chaotic scenes in Central Asia. They barely got out of alive with just a suitcase in their hand. And God is using them through TSC's Child Cry program to help this area. I met Corey in this week, and folks, I'm telling you, and his words to me were this. He said, Pastor Tim, we're trying to get back there as soon as possible. I went, are you crazy? Do you know why he wants to? He has been with Jesus. He has been with Jesus. I looked at that man. I saw the joy of the Lord and working in one of the most dangerous cities on the planet. And you know the verse that came to me when I saw fleshed out with him was Revelation 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. I'm going to ask you a question. I see a man running back to a battle while everybody else is trying to get away from that because he knows it's not magic that keeps him, but it's the power of Jesus. You can't buy peace. You can't buy joy. You can't buy the presence of Jesus. No matter what you put up, string up, or hook up, I'm just telling you, you can't buy the presence of God. It comes from people that spend time in his presence. That's what God is looking for from us today. Let me, let me close with this, because I'm just telling you, these people, they had been with Jesus then. And here's the part I want you to know. You can be with Jesus now. You can be with Jesus even forever, folks. I, I want to close with this. I want you to get this real quickly. Listen, how can you be with Jesus now? Let me give it to you. Number one, spend time in God's word. Spend time in his word. Let, 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 me, let, let the scriptures talk. There's so much noise in society today. Let God talk to you through his Bible today. I love what, 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 what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said this. He said, if I read the newspaper, I come out dirtier than I went in. But if I read my Bible, I come out cleaner than I ever went in. And I like, folks, that goes with whatever newscast you watch. I don't care if it's CNN, Fox, or some, some out there news thing. I'm just telling you, I don't watch that. I need to come out clean and not come out dirtier. That's what I'm telling you today. That's why when you look at the Bible, I love what one man said. He said this, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone that isn't falling apart. I'm telling you, some of you going like, well, why does your Bible look new today? It's a new Bible, okay? This doesn't count. I got a falling apart Bible back at the apartment. So just letting you know, don't judge me. Number two, spend time with him in prayer. Spend time with God in prayer. I love this. I heard someone say before, do not have your concert first and tune your instruments afterward. Begin your day with God. Don't jump into your day doing your thing and then come back and go, God, I can't believe. Man, give it all to God at the beginning of the day. Just tell God. And here's the part I've learned. Can I help you with prayer for a second? We will never have time for prayer. We must make time for prayer. You have to make time for prayer and say this is the priority. But let me close with this right now. I want you to spend eternity with him. This is how we get to heaven. This is how we begin to realize how this is the most important question. Or let, let me say it like this. Look at me for a moment. Because when we deal about spending eternity with God, we got to get this one right. If you are wrong about Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're right about. I, I don't care what you think. I don't care if you go like, I know the Yankees are going to make the wild card. I don't care. I knew the Brooklyn Nets wouldn't do it. Who cares? KD doesn't care about you. It doesn't matter. I, I knew stocks were going to do this. I knew this was going to... You got to... I don't care what you get right there. You got to get Jesus right. You got to get this Jesus right. So the question is this. I want, I want you to see what Jesus said. Jesus said this. No man, no woman, no student, no Columbia student, NYU, Harvard, MIT, wherever you go, Fordham, 
No man, student, young person, grandma can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. That's what Jesus said. Jesus who cannot lie said that. So if I was to ask you today, how do you get to heaven? Okay, get ready now. Some of you be going like, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. That's good. That's not what Jesus said. I, I'm, I go to church. Great. That's not what Jesus said. I haven't hurt anybody. I haven't killed it. I've heard this one. I haven't killed anyone. I said, great. Continue on with that. But that doesn't get you to heaven. Those are all good. I've been christened. I took communion. I was baptized. Those are all nice things. That doesn't get you there. If anybody knows directions to his own home, it's Jesus. He knows how to get to his own house. He doesn't need your help. And I promise you, your Apple phone can't help either. You can ask Siri all you want on how to get to heaven. Siri doesn't have the answer. We already got it from Jesus. You must be born again. That's what Jesus said. Pastor Tim, then here's the question. What is that? First of all, what does that mean? Jesus was saying, just as you had a first birth physically, you need a second birth spiritually. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? Here it comes. Jesus said, in order for that to happen, you were born physically the first time, birth date, physical. That second birth happens internally. And the best way I can explain it, as you've heard me explain it for 18 months, is these simple letters, this ABC. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? I think these letters just help us. A, each one of these letters just really corresponding to something. A, it's admitting that I'm a sinner. That every one of us sitting in this place, starting with myself, have a condition and it's called sin. It can't be fixed with a promise, a priest, a pastor, a program. We need help to fix it. I'm broken on the inside. The diagnosis is sin and I have to start by admitting I'm a sinner. Or as one person said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. I don't need a second chance. I need a second birth. Well, how does that happen, Pastor Tim? That's the B word, believe. It's believing that God sent his son to fix my sinful condition because I couldn't fix it myself. If we could fix ourselves, folks, it would be the worst case of child abuse in human history. God's saying, go down there, suffer for 33 years, go to the cross, and then I'm going to tell those people if they want to go to heaven, they got to be good. Folks, you don't get good and then come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and he makes you good. That's the gospel. That's how that happens. Here's what's amazing. If I could get myself to heaven by being good, listen, then Jesus would never have had to come and die on the cross for me. But Jesus did come. His death was him becoming my sin bearer. He died the death I was supposed to die. Lived the life I couldn't live. And then gave me a reward, heaven and forgiveness I didn't even deserve. And finally, it's confessing. That's the C word. Confessing him as Lord. That's a huge word. That's Romans 10, 9 and 10. To say the word Lord, another, another translation of that is, you're the boss now in my life. God didn't send his son to come 2,000 years ago to get you to church on Sunday and to sit in that chair. God, when Jesus rose from the dead and went to heaven, he wasn't going, when he sees you in church, he wasn't going, oh, finally, they're sitting down for two hours on Sunday. That's not why he came. Religion wants you for two hours on Sunday. Jesus wants you every day of the week. That's what him being Lord is. That's what it is. And that's why coming to church on a Sunday is religion. Born again is a relationship and saying, you are now in charge of my life. Today, I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes. If you're watching online, I want you to prepare to make the most important answer, the most important question of your life. I'm so excited because some of you are going to become a part of that 70,000 today. Today, your life can change. Today can be your second birth date is what today could be. Today could be your second birth date. And wherever you're at in this place, I don't know if someone invited you today. I don't know if you're watching online, but today you can be born again. Pastor Tim Howe, I want to pray a prayer and then listen. Times Square Church, over the last 33 years, we would invite people to come to an altar. We have to be very careful right now. We don't know what the future holds, and that's okay. We're just going to be a little cautious here. 
We don't believe in magic here. We believe that God can do whatever he wants, anywhere he wants, any, any way he wants to do it. That's what we believe. And wherever you're at right now in this place, God wants to change you. Online, God wants to change you. So the question is this, have you been born again? And today, it can happen. Some of you are going like, Pastor Tim, I don't know if I could do this because I'm not perfect. Exactly. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And today that can take place. Here's what I want you to do. If you're here in this place, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. And if you're watching online, I want to pray a prayer with you. I want to pray a prayer that starts this journey. A prayer of being born again. A prayer that says, God, I want you in my life. I want you to change me from the inside out. And in fact, we're all going to pray it together. But if you're here today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I can only speak to those that are watching in here and, and ask them uh, and ask them this question. But if you're watching online, you can, you can very well be part of this. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, I want to be part of that. I want to start a brand new relationship with Jesus today. I want to be born again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, when you pray that prayer, I want to be included in that. Wherever you're at this place, without any hesitation, if you say, Pastor Tim, include me in that prayer today, in this building, online, without any hesitation, you say, include me, Pastor Tim. Come on, hold up your hand right now. Say, put me in that prayer right now. I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. Keep them up high, because I want to say, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. Keep them up in the balcony. 33, I want to make sure I see every person that's up there. Folks, can we thank God for those 33 folks that just raise their hands. Come on, let's all pray this together. Come on, every one of us. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my guilt, and my shame. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say it with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, come on, let's thank God for those. Thanks so much for listening. If you've decided to be born again today, would you text the word DECIDED to 88202? And we'll send you a video that gives you a great next step in your walk with God. We're so excited for you and are celebrating with you. We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.